eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson here on a... Thursday morning in May. Brian, how's it going? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. It's a beautiful day out. Um, it's a day after Nick Saban fired off some sharp shots across the college football world. But around here, it's just pleasant. My hammock's swaying in the breeze. The dogs are outside. Hopefully, we'll shut their mouths during this thing. You know how that goes, and I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I was just going to ask if it's if this is full bore hammock season at this point. It is. I don't. I get. I, I do get on the hammock thing too much. Perhaps I, I'll keep my words to a limit there. But um, my, I'm watching my boys run around, Ronnie and Rody out there, and they're just like, <laughs> it's that's how we should take on the day. There's an exuberance yep. there, and uh, my one dog's walk. You know, how d- dogs walk around. I don't know if your dog Slider does this, but Rody has his mouth like kind of open and is always okay. smiling. Yeah. You know, like this stupid yep. smile about everything. Like you could, uh, he could have a bunch of, you know, sour cream fall on him and he would still be a happy boy about it. I mean, he would be really happy, but um, that stuff <laughs> like that. I, I, yeah, we, just, no. we need to take something from those guys and their happiness out there. Yeah, well, I would argue it's uh, the, the ignorance is bliss model. They don't know what's going on. They don't really care. They're just enjoying the moment. Yeah. We, uh, we don't always do that. I you mentioned um, keeping your words to a minimum on the topic of hammocks. Do you think Nick Saban will regret not keeping his words to a minimum on the topic of Texas A and M, or do you think that was like with intent? Oh, intent. Yeah. I mean, a guy like that knows exactly what he's doing. I think. Yeah. I, I mean, he knew that was going to be out. He wanted it to be out. Um, I look forward to hearing. Well, you. I wish the SEC coaches' meetings were televised. Uh, that would be fun uh, to see what Jimbo's response was. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, I understand the, the point he's getting at, but I think what a lot of people wonder is, like, okay, um, Alabama hasn't been involved in this game and, and, and some of this stuff we're talking about over the years. Let's Let's – you know, bring it down a notch. I think there's going to be some of that reaction. And I am not here to pick one side or the other, but I do think there's going to be some people that 
they kind of appreciate his message and what he's getting at in general while also saying, are we sure Alabama doesn't do exactly what he's preaching against and hasn't for decades? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I. it's one of those, like, don't throw stones if you live in a glass house thing. Yeah. And I would be very skeptical of the of the remark that they didn't pay for not that they, I mean, obviously the University of Alabama didn't, but the collective didn't have anything to do with any of the players Alabama signed in the 2022 class. I find that kind of hard to believe. Well, I mean, I've always said whatever the boundaries are that they've given you, or if there are no boundaries, that's what you're operating with. And I, I'm not here to right now fire off at anybody because, um, you know, I think from what I've heard, I think Nebraska tries to do it by the books as much as they can. They have obviously a collective here, and uh, you know, there with there are there's a rule system in place or what whatever they are, they 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 follow that as best they can, and you uh, and you try to succeed with what's in place, and that that's where we're at now. And I don't know that everybody's thrilled about like our current state of college sports, but I've always said whatever it is. Uh, try to excel at it like you know if whether you like what your job assignment is or not on a given day you still want to excel at it with what it is and that's what uh, every school's charged to do now hopefully some people aren't taking it to a place they shouldn't and I, I'm sure there are cases where that's happening but then again I'm not naive to think that hasn't happened for a long time in college athletics and just a different sort of uh, with different sort of labels or whatever all right, Brian, we're, we're in the recruiting conversation now. You actually had, uh, from the looks of it, a very in-depth, very kind of wide-ranging conversation about recruiting with one of Nebraska's newest assistants and Brian Applewhite for a feature that we hope to have running kind of here throughout the early part of this summer, the recruiting files. First, talk to us about kind of where this idea came from. And second, how did that conversation with Brian Applewhite go? What what were some of your takeaways? Because I know just reading what you've written so far that people can find at Husker 24-7, um, there's some really good stories in there. And I we get really fixated on the end result of recruiting sometimes, but there's some really fun stuff that, uh, that can come out of these conversations when you get coaches going on in-home visit experiences and all of that kind of things. And that's, that's kind of what the recruiting files is going to bring to light. Yes, and it is going to be an ongoing series throughout the summer. Uh, Bill Bush will be up next, and, uh, you know, we're hoping to get Mickey on there and um, really go through all the coaches. And I'd like to do some, you know, basketball guys and, uh, you know, get some baseball too and volleyball. I think it'll all be interesting, just the different sort of circumstances at play. But, yeah, Brian Applewhite started off. I thought he was a good guy to start with because – He's had a pretty successful run since he got here in January. I mean, right off the bat, he gets A.J. Allen um, from TCU based off his connection they had when he recruited him there. And uh, I think it showed something about his ability to relationship build, the fact that um, when he told A.J., you know, this is where I'm heading now. And uh, if people aren't familiar, you know, Brian Applewhite had to switch jobs because Gary Patterson was getting – removed at TCU or had been let go, or they agreed to uh, part ways, whatever you want to say. Um, so Applewhite was, you know, looking for his next stop. So it wasn't like he just up and left on uh, AJ Allen at TCU, but 
And then uh, he had a bit of a connection with O'Shawn Mathis too, which is in there. And I think kind of interesting. Um, that was a very team effort by Nebraska's staff, of course, in getting O'Shawn Mathis. Uh, but all that counts. And the fact that Brian Applewhite, um, you know, used to work with him on special teams and they'd have like 15 minute conversations every day, just shooting the breeze about stuff and had a friendship there. Um, you know, that pays off too. So I think the thing that stood out most to me, though, Mike, about him was, um, and this is going to be true with se several of the guys over there, Brian Applewhite had to pay his dues in this profession. You know, like he um, started at Northern Colorado, um, and he's not complaining about any of this, by the way, but it's just, you know, you're at a lower level, so you have to learn without the resources you have at Nebraska and all that stuff how to really connect with people and just win off that and your ability to to get a player to believe I'm going to grow with this person uh, in charge, you know, and uh, he went to Wyoming and he's been at Colorado State. So he's experienced what it's like on the other end to recruit a player for six or seven months really well uh, or longer. Think you've got this perfectly set up, and then like Nebraska or Kansas State pops in, which we write about, like in December or January, and they're like, "Oh yeah, they're gonna offer this guy," um, you know. And that's not knocking those guys. That's the that's what the advantage of the big sweater, as Brian Applewhite calls it. But now he yeah, has I love that. that. Yeah, like I like the I like the terminology. I mean, I think he was he was talking about his time at Northern Colorado, just walking or watching guys that. You know, we're getting jobs that had never kind of put in those dues or had been in that situation where you get to throw that sweater on right away and you just get to recruit off the sweater. I, yeah. I, it's it's an astute observation, and you made a really good point. I mean, think about it this way. So you have Brian Applewhite, who was at Northern Colorado and, and some of the, the mid-major schools. Bill Bush, who's been literally everywhere. I mean, from the highs of highs at LSU to he was at Utah State at one point in time and and bounced around even before getting to Nebraska in the early 2000s. Mickey Joseph was at Wayne State yep. here yeah. in Nebraska. I mean, Mark Whipple has been in some pretty small places and then, of course, was the head coach at UMass, which isn't exactly a booming place of college football. So, I mean, those four in particular, you're right. I mean, they, they really have been in some interesting spots. And so getting the opportunity to, to, to have the sweater, I guess, if you will, um, and, and they've at least three of them, actually all four of them have had power five jobs, right? Uh, Applewhite was at TCU and then mm -hmm. Bush, we know LSU and Mickey LSU and um, uh, Whipple was at Miami, I think. MP. Yeah. Well, so. yeah. Yeah. Whipple was definitely at Miami at some point. And then, uh, you know, Bush has a pretty good track record at the, at the higher level. Of course he was at Utah for a while and stuff like that. Um, but uh, you're right. Like Mickey's a good example too. Um, everybody always talks about his work at LSU, which is really impressive, but he built up for like two decades till he got there, you know, through jobs that didn't have that high yeah. profile part to it. And I just think that can be useful. And that's what Brian Applewhite was saying. You don't forget where you came from basically. Um, and the, the things that you had to, how you had to scrap as a recruiter, when you didn't really have much of an advantage or any advantage uh, it has to be the same way you do it now. And you also have to look at it. This is a relative conversation. Like Nebraska is the big sweater compared to say Wyoming, but 
some people might say, well, what if Ohio State offers a kid that Nebraska's offer? I mean, so this still happens to some degree where you're fighting against sort of, um, you know, what, whatever, how a recruit's going to view one of those. They're going to categorize even power five schools to a certain degree. Obviously, if Alabama or Georgia offers that at this moment um, sort of has their attention to maybe a higher degree than other power five schools. What was your favorite sort of recruiting story you got out of Brian Applewhite on this? I, this is just selfish, but I like the fact that I'm, I'm now running into coaches who are basically my age. Um, and so there's stuff that's relatable. Like we, we grew up in the houses with the phones that, with the cords that got, you know, stretched around all the chairs and stuff. And, um, just him talking about getting lost was very relatable, like back in recruiting. Like people don't think about this anymore because you just plug in. And he was pointing out coaches, you know, can they don't know if they're going north or south most of the time. They just know they're going to whatever's in their phone. Take me there. And back in the day, he used to pack a bunch of quarters, you know, and, and he would have to use pay phones to like, OK, what do I do now? Or get use the phone at the gas station and. Um, there was just stuff that's old school that's relatable. And I, I think there's funny in-home stuff that's in there. And we're going to try to do this with every coach. Like he was with the, he didn't name the school, but he was recruiting uh, in-home with the head coach. And uh, the other coach uh, dropped this religious figurine in a house or something and it broke. And uh, they were like, a, you know, trying to figure out what to do in like a few seconds and how to explain this. And um <laughs> You know, the, the funny punchline is we got the kid, you know, it's stuff right, like that. Yeah. Those are the stories. And there's all their stuff that, you know, I'm sure guys if that's funny or whatever that they can't even say. Um, and that goes with recruiting. But uh, hopefully that's what the series will bring is some of the behind the scenes stuff that's somewhat funny at times. Um, and also a substance like what what do they want to see change? Um, or if they could change one thing, you know, what's that going to be? And that's something we're going to ask every guy. Give us a little preview of Bill Bush. Bill Bush has um, amazing stories, as you would suspect. And uh, he, uh, I'm trying to think of the the best one. Um, He has a really good story about Eric Hag, and I won't uh, give it all, but it was about believing in a recruit that you know is better than everybody else thinks he is. And it's not like Eric Hag was chopped liver, or chopped liver. If I remember right on his recruiting ranking, I don't remember how he was viewed exactly. Um, but he was a guy at Nebraska. Bush was still here at that point who Bill Bush just totally thought was like someone pretty special, like a guy who could really contribute here. And of course, there's this thought sometimes if your class is tight with the numbers back then, like, okay, um, who, who's, who, who's really the guys that you want for sure? And are there some guys that are, um, you know, maybe guys that aren't going to stay in this class? And uh, he was a guy who fought really hard for Eric Hag to just recruit him hard and make sure that he was part of that Husker class, you know, and um, stories like that. Um, I think are are pretty interesting sort of behind the scenes and he has a lot more like that he has a funny story about traveling with uh, Urban Meyer to a a remote island to get a kid 
um, and they were looking for him and the, they're basically like asking, where's the kid at? And they're like, we'll find him. They're just on an Island. And they, they're like, we'll find him. And they, they lead him to the kid and stuff like that. And, uh, they got him, they got him as a commit. So, um, uh, some really interesting personal stories, but also he's going to have some good insight just on, uh, you know, the kind of the, I think some people see it as a mess that we're in with called the college landscape, but I think, uh, he had some good opinions just on, on things that he would, he would like to see different or, and also just, uh, you know, uh, going with the flow too. I mean, you can't change everything. You just gotta, this is what the rules are, as we said earlier, and you got to play by them and you got to succeed. Yeah, that's going to be good stuff. So we should look for the Bill Bush uh, this weekend. Potentially, I'm probably going to. That'll probably be out Monday. I'm thinking I might make it more of Memorial a Monday. Day Monday. No, that's not. That's not this weekend. I'm off a weekend. Okay, yeah, you're off a weekend. Yeah, yep. that's that's still another weekend away. All right, so let's let's stick with recruiting. We're going recruiting heavy with this show. Nebraska has four official visitors this weekend. Brian, which of these four guys is most interesting to you? You have running back from Derby High School, Dylan Edwards. You have wide receiver, I believe, from Raytown Peculiar. Maybe Ray Moore. Ray Moore Peculiar in uh, Kansas Kansas City in Missouri, in Kansas City suburb area in Jaden Doss. You have uh, offensive lineman. Oh, I can't remember. I think he's from Lee Summit North, Caden Green. And then you have former Texas wide receiver, Marcus Washington. So you got three 2023 high school recruits, one transfer portal guy, four official visitors this weekend, all on the offensive side of the ball. I think all have sort of their own unique thing about them. Who's most interesting to you in that group? Geez, you could really make a case for all of them, I think. I think you can. Yeah. Um, So there's not like a wrong answer. Um, I guess I'm going to say Dylan Edwards. I mean, part of me wanted to say Marcus Washington because he's the like immediate impact yep. guy, you know, coming from Texas, like plug and play type, you hope. Uh, but I guess Dylan Edwards, because I don't know about you, but I've always viewed Nebraska in this one as sort of in it, but maybe having a really scrap to, to get to that final three or whatever, four and, and have a shot. And the fact that he's here this weekend on an official visit, um, which I think changed in the last day or so, um, you know, it tells you that Nebraska is very much, uh, very much got his attention. And I, I think you look at his numbers are incredible. I mean, he ran for like 2,600 yards. He had 40 touchdowns last season. He averaged 12.5 per carry. Um, I think Scott Frost has got the message across of like how they could use him in all these different ways in the offense. And I also think if he looks at Nebraska's room right now, I like what's happening with the running backs, but I also think a recruit would look at it so far and say, nobody's, there's not a mere Abdullah there right now. It's not like anything I can't come in and and make my noise. And so that could be appealing. And I don't know, in the last 24 to 48 hours, I've started to think not that Nebraska is a front runner. I think, oh, use the big prediction still on the crystal ball and all that stuff. And, Maybe that's true, but I'm like, you know, if they have a big weekend with him, I could see that one Nebraska having a real shot there and at least making him think uh, down to the final day, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah, and Brian's talking about Dylan Edwards running back from Derby High School. Did I say uh, his name wrong? 
No, no, no. I'm just reiterating. I'm trying okay. to do a better job on the podcast oh, of reiterating okay. what we're talking about. It's uh, it's an emphasis of mine for the 2022. I'm season. sorry. I no, messed you're that good. up. You're good. Well, it makes sense for me to explain it. So people are like, oh, why does it sound <laughs> like he's correcting him? No. Um, so I, I'm going to go. I, so Caden Green would be the biggest recruiting win in that group. Mm. The one I feel the that Nebraska has the best shot at out of this group is, is Jaden Doss. And I'm really intrigued by him because he's similar to Dylan Edwards in a different kind of way, but they might be being recruited for the same sort of thing in that they're both very good offensive athletes that could play as slot wide receiver running back sort of combo position thing, a duck R if you will, if such a thing were to exist. And Jaden Doss, when I first started talking with him, he said that teams were starting to tell him that they were going to use him like he was Debo Samuel, that he has the kind of ability. And if you put on the highlights, I mean, he looks comfortable running the football as a running back out of a, you know, out of a, a normal formation, out of a single back formation, out of a shotgun formation. But he also looks very comfortable as a slot wide receiver or even as an outside wide receiver. So I look at Jaden Doss and I see kind of a a version of what Nebraska wanted Wandale Robinson to be in a thicker body. Uh, yeah. It looks like he's going to be a little bit more capable of handling Big Ten defenses. I, I also just think Jaden Doss is just a really good athlete. And so I'm really intrigued by him. I think Nebraska, Bill Bush has done a great job. Mickey Joseph's done a great job. I, I want to obviously let things play out, but I really think the combination of Bill Bush and Mick Joseph working on some of these kids together is pretty explosive when you're talking about Nebraska's, you know, you get a tag team recruiting effort. You get your area recruiters, Bill Bush, who, as you well know, having just talked to him recently, very personable guy, very easy to get along with, you know, very good, astute recruiter. He's been doing it for a long time. Same same as Mickey Joseph, and he's your position coach. So I know from Jaden Doss, he really – before he came on a visit, you know, he was talking with Bill Bush and he really liked Bill Bush. And he was intrigued by Nebraska. And then he gets here and he couldn't stop talking about Mickey Joseph after that visit. He, you know, he loved Mickey Joseph. That's the kind of guy I want to play for, those kinds of things. I think this is a really big official visit. Michigan and Oregon are involved as well. But I think Nebraska has the inside track for a Jaden Doss. And again, I think he kind of represents the kind of player they thought that they would have more success with in the big 10, but they just haven't been able to find the right recipe for. Um, and he's not just going to be strictly a wide receiver. He's not strictly just going to be a running back. I think Jaden Doss is really interesting. I think Dylan Edwards is the same kind of guy. I don't, I don't view Dylan Edwards as a straight running back. I don't know if you do, Brian. Um, I don't know if Nebraska does, but I, I think they see both of these guys as sort of offensive athletes, like almost like it's a, its own sort of new position. They're buddies too. Yeah, they all know each other. I mean, that's the thing about recruiting anymore. I, I know. I mean, I know at one point Dylan Edwards, you know, this has been said a lot. This is a funny, like, storyline, guys, who say, oh, we're going to play together at a certain school. And I wonder how, what percentage actually ends up happening. But I know he's publicly said that they wanted to, to go to the same spot. But so, I don't know. We'll see if that, that could happen or not. But the fact that they're here on the same weekend, um, not the worst thing in the world. And then... Um, that's good though, insight because Jaden Doss, I feel like, is one of the more uh, 
intriguing recruits for all the reasons you brought out and probably still one that the general person doesn't know right. as much as about. So that was, it's pretty useful to fill in what like, and I, I also enjoy, I understand it completely, but I like this in recruiting too, like the Debo Samuel comparison. Like I bet you money Debo right now is that player that certain guys like across the country, they're yeah, like, you, you, you could be Debo, you know, Debo yeah. for us. And I think of all the names over the years that might've been used for different things, you know. Percy Harvin come to yeah. mind. Yeah, that would be a perfect one. Yep. Yeah, like guys like that. Uh, so, uh, yeah. and then Marcus Washington, obviously, what do you think? there i mean you're getting it's not like his numbers just pop off the page at texas um i think he had 337 yards or something in his career um but he's a guy who's familiar with casey thompson and uh what do you think on that yeah i I think if you're you're mickey joseph you're bringing him in this weekend you're you're trying to figure out okay who's just a guy that if he comes in is he going to be comfortable if he's not, you know, an immediate starter? Is he coming here to be a number, you know, one, two or three wide receiver for us? I don't know that Marcus Washington's that guy. And so um, I I think part of it is for Nebraska, you have to figure out, does he fit you just as much as he's trying to figure out, does, you know, is Nebraska a good fit for him? And so I, I think that's going to be part of it. I, from a depth standpoint, it makes sense. I mean, you, you want to keep adding. I know that there's kind of a drop-off for him after you get to a certain, you know, level at wide receiver. We run through it really quick. You're talking about Omar Manning, Oliver Martin, uh, Trey Palmer, Isaiah Garcia, Castaneda, Alante Brown, Brody Belt, and who am I forgetting? There's probably one more wide receiver. Wyatt Lever's probably seventh, maybe, yeah. unless we're blue. But, I mean, yeah, that's a six or seven right there. So, you know, if you're if you're talking to Marcus Washington – at the very least, you're kind of hoping that he could be your your third or fourth wide receiver, and then maybe it really works. And with the experience of playing with Casey Thompson, maybe he could be your number one wide receiver. I mean, he certainly was a high enough rated recruit in the 2019 class. So the, the big thing, I, I think, at this stage is to figure out, okay, it, does this guy actually, can he help us? Is he going to be comfortable with a role if it isn't a starter? Or is this just uh, I'm looking for an opportunity to play and try to make as much NIL money as possible? I'm not trying to, like, cast aspersions on Marcus Washington, but I I do think that it gets really simplistic for fans and media to be like, well, of course you take him. But you want a guy who's going to fit your room. You want a guy who's not going to rock the boat. And you want someone you're going to get something out of. So if you're going to take Marcus Washington for Nebraska, this is as exploratory as a visit as it is for him. And he's looking at Utah. He's looking at Purdue. So he's got other options out there too. Um, So we'll see what happens with Marcus Washington, but definitely another sort of interesting transfer portal depth piece. I'm just not convinced that it moves that he's going to come in and and would be a significant upgrade at wide receiver. I think that he provides depth. I'm skeptical that it's a huge jump for them. And so then it becomes, is the juice worse than squeeze? And so that Nebraska has to kind of figure that out this weekend. The one guy we haven't talked a lot about here, Brian, actually the most highly rated guy would be the biggest recruiting win for them mm-hmm. in some time. Caden Green would be an absolute monster recruiting win. One, you're talking about getting into the Kansas City area, something Nebraska really wants to do. Two, you're talking about a school, at least Summit North, where they're trying to recruit more and more. And three, you're talking about a huge position in need, an offensive tackle, and a guy who could be, in theory, a multiple-year starter. We're talking about someone that, 
you know, it's sort of a Turner Corcoran esque level recruit where you're top 50 guy, big offensive lineman, you hope becomes a plug or a plug and play player down the line. And you're going to have to beat out some pretty strong Midwest schools. If you're going to do it, you're talking about Michigan, you're talking about Oklahoma. So I think Nebraska has actually kind of a puncher's chance here. Um, I know his visit went really well in March. I know Nebraska's uh, really kind of locked in on him as, as a top target. And I'm sure that there's some NIL conversations happening as well. And look, I mean, if you're recruiting against Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley, I think it'd be a lot harder, but we don't know what Venables is going to be. And, and if that's going to carry as much clout. And I know this much, he really likes Scott Frost. He really liked Donovan Rayola on that visit. And I think he fits pretty well with this staff. So I, I think that he's a bit of a dark horse for Nebraska in this class. And we're, we're talking about one of their top targets in Caden Green. Donovan Rayola. That's interesting. Uh, when you said his name, it just seems like with recruiting, uh, Everybody on the outside is sort of trying to figure out, you know, uh, what he's about there. And uh, it does feel like whenever you hear from people who actually get in a room with him on a visit, uh, he, he's pretty appealing to them all the time. And I know this isn't a, you know, we work in a business where generally kids are going to say pretty nice things about the coach they were just with. But I do think sometimes there's some specific thoughts we've heard or seen from recruits where he really gets into the details of, you know, what they're doing that um, you'd have to say uh, he, the early reviews are pretty strong from prospects when they meet with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, uh, and I look, I've been a skeptic of the Donovan rail hire from the moment it really kind of came on the radar in part because he's never recruited for, and in part because it's a huge position and Nebraska has to get that higher right if Scott Frost is going to last here for a long time. So um, I've had my own reservations on it, but recruits by and large have connected with them. And that was one of the things that was going to be a, a question I had. We've never recruited before, you know, and, and how do you how do you sort of connect in his first couple media appearances, which, again, they aren't the most important thing in the world, but sometimes it's a window into someone's personality didn't leave me thinking that he was going to be a guy that was going to connect particularly well with 16 to 18 year old kids, but with certain players and he's got a no nonsense kind of attitude and certain offensive linemen, that's going to work really well. I mean, yeah, you know, offensive linemen generally are different types of recruits and wide receivers and quarterbacks. And sometimes having a, uh, a kind of a, the hard ass personality, if you will, is going to mesh really well. You're, you're talking about a guy like Henry Lutovsky. He's going to fit really well with Donovan Rayola. And so I think Caden Green's kind of got that personality a little bit too. And so I think that's part of why it's, it's been a pretty good fit there. And then on top of it, if, if he needs the coach that he wants to talk to and chat with about recruiting, he can go to Bill Bush and for that. And Mickey Joseph's been involved in that recruitment as well. And Scott Frost. So it's, you know, Nebraska's done, I think, a nice job. And I tried to get at this a little bit earlier and probably failed. They've done a nice job of not leaving their coaches on an island. Like it's not just on Donovan Rayola to get the offensive line. Yeah. They're doing they're doing more tandem recruiting, in my opinion, in the last year or so, especially with this new staff, than maybe what we saw uh, previously, where it felt like a lot of it was okay. Ryan Held's job is to go get guys from this area, or Travis Fisher has to go get this defensive back kind of thing. It feels like there's a little bit more two, three, four coach effort sometimes. I 
Hey, have you picked up on that as well? Or had, did that get mentioned by either of Applewhite or Bill Bush? Um, Bush talked about how the best staffs he've ever been on with recruiting. It's very much a shared deal. And um, he said that that's been going well under Frost. So, yeah, that's kind of getting what you're at. But, yeah, if you get on a, a staff where I'm not saying – Sometimes it is there is reason for a coach just to say, yeah, I got this guy because he actually did go out and get him only by himself. Um, but uh, a lot of times that's not going to work out very well if you sort of have I got this guy, I got this guy, you know, and it like sort of a individual efforts on recruit. So I, I think um, they are in a better place to what you're speaking of, where um, you can get you know, one guy to visit him down, uh, like to visit Dylan Edwards, you know, Bill Bush can go down there and uh, be around that school and uh, make an impression in that way. But then you get a guy like him here and he can hear from a Brian Applewhite. He can hear from Mickey or whoever you want to put in front of him. And they all have kind of appealing recruiting voices that where I, I would say, and though sometimes we drink the Kool-Aid around here, we're looking for things to be optimistic about because the record hasn't been good. But I would say they have upgraded in recruiting. I really, I mean, that's I, how, I mean, I don't think I already think they've answered that question. Like with their new hires, like I just think they're a way better recruiting staff than they were at this time a year ago. And I don't even think it's much of a debate, frankly. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right, let's shift gears in sports, but we're sticking with the recruiting topic, Nebraska basketball. We have an addition of its own, adding a veteran guard from SMU. And Emmanuel... Uh, Bandumel. Bandumel, all right. Emmanuel Bandumel. Brian, give us the full scouting report on Emmanuel Bandumel. Well, as you know, I just got through watching... Uh seven full SMU games from last season. So your appetite to do that stuff is just incredible. Yeah. I don't, people don't understand how much time you put in the film room. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, if there hasn't been a story up in the last day, forgive me. I was watching SMU, but uh, he started um, 68 games for SMU and they weren't a bad little club. Uh, so that's, that's, that's good. He, I, I am actually most excited about this guy. 
um, as far as like transfer additions because he's sort of an energizer bunny guy, I think. Um, he uh, he averaged like 10.8 or something per game or something you know like that. He can shoot the three all right, uh, but he's uh, got great hops and he's got great energy on the defensive end. And I think for new assistant coach Adam Howard in particular, who has come in, you know, to help with that defensive mindset, he's a very appealing um, player to plug in there and who will, I would guess, will start and, uh, you know, be a huge minutes guy for this team this year. So, um, you know, they've got some interesting pieces when you combine him with Sam Grissell and Jawan Gary, who is from, you know, Alabama and, uh, you know, didn't have a huge stat line there, but was a guy who uh, logged a lot of solid minutes against Power 5 competition and I think helped sort of the toughness factor. And I think that's what you're looking at with sort of the this remodel of this roster is I think they've gotten longer at each position um, to help defensively and uh, maybe added a little toughness too, you know, uh, with some of these guys. Uh, so that. That's where they're at. Uh, we don't. I don't want to go too far and act like this gets them to the NIT or something like that with the <laughs> the win loss records they've had. But twenty four seven Sports wrote an article about two or three weeks ago. One of our national guys and they they gave ten players that were not in the top one hundred rankings in the portal who are very good players. They were talking about how deep the basketball portal is. And Bandumel was one of those guys that was mentioned before he committed to Nebraska as like this, he's a salty guy for your defense who can help you right away. And so, um, and he's good in transition. So I think it was a very good pickup uh, at this point in the game. All right. That's uh, the latest with Nebraska basketball. We don't have Brent's on this podcast today, but Nebraska baseball basically has to sweep this weekend and root for help just to get into Omaha. We will see how that plays out. Uh, either way, I'm sure you and Brunts can have a conversation about what happened with Nebraska baseball uh, this year, um, next week, and we'll figure out where things sort of sit for them. Anything else we need to add? Any other news or um, anything you want to get to? Do we? We could probably. We haven't actually discussed it. Do you, do you have any thoughts, real quickly, on Kane Williams? Um, I mean, I. I like the fact anytime you can go get a guy who was one of the, you know, top 150 prospects or whatever in the last recruiting cycle, uh, that's appealing. So why would you not try to bring him in if you think you can? They had a good connection too there. Uh, there was a Mickey Joseph connection with that one uh, from the same town as um, the prospect. And he's uh, the cousin of his father. Um and uh, I, but I also think it was more than that. I think he, he got here and he saw that um, he could be used a lot of different ways in this defense. It's not like you just up oh, your safety. Um, he's a guy who can be used on the second level of the defense and he could be an interesting nickelback type. Uh, you know, as you think about the nickel spot, Isaac Gifford, I think is probably the favorite right now. And Kalarovic's been working there. Um, but I don't know, maybe a guy like him comes in and, um, you know, is, is in that mix pretty quickly. So, um, safety nickel, they can do a lot of different things. I like the pickup. Um, I think Travis Fisher has always been good about keeping guys on their toes in that room. 
And the, the secondary is really fascinating to me, Schaefer, because I think they've got more high-end talent than they've had. And yet, I'm not going to say they're going to be as good or better this year. Right. So they, because they, it's just, is the on-field game day IQ going to match what they had from guys who had played back there for three or four years? That's going to be very difficult to do. So we'll see. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I mean, Kane Williams and Tommy Hill, highly rated recruits. And then, of course, you've got Omar Brown, who is an FCS All-American, but he missed most of the spring, so you have to figure out what to give you. I, I tried to do this. I invite you to do the same. Rank the 13 transfer portal editions. It's pretty difficult. You have to kind of – you have to decide what positions hold the most value and what you do with somebody like Kane Williams, who could be pretty helpful, but maybe needs a year of, of just sort of being a contributor before you know where he slides in at. And then you you got some guys that are healthy, some guys that aren't. Does O'Shawn Mathis go immediately to the top? Does Tommy Hill go to the top because he's the highest rated guy? Casey Thompson plays quarterback. So, look, I I invite you, Brian, put together your top uh, your your rankings. I would love to to compare and contrast, kind of like we do, and I'm sure we're about to get started with with the uh, most, most indispensable. indispensable Huskers. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things. Um, look. Let's go. I just like yelling at Brunts about people he leaves off his list. That's yeah. my favorite thing. Brunts always messes up our vote. That's for sure. We can say that since he's not here. Although he'll go through this tape and maybe edit that out. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just kidding. Uh, look, your list about the top transfer additions. Uh, who was your top five again? Tell the people. Uh, I'm pretty sure I should pull it up just to make sure I have this right. But one was Casey Thompson, which I think is kind of self-evident. Two was O'Shawn Mathis. Three, I believe I went Tommy Hill. Four, Devin Drew. And then number five was Trey Palmer, um, which you could, you know, you could really kind of go in any order there. Uh, but I look at it, anybody in the, those top three, I mean, you could make a case for any of those guys being number one. I think Tommy Hill could end up being the most talented out of that entire group. But what do you do with guys like Isaiah Garcia Castaneda and Omar Brown who were here, but they basically didn't have springs because they were hurt. But I think there's a not, you know, better than a non-zero chance that Isaiah Garcia Castaneda could be the best receiver on Nebraska's team. He's been productive everywhere he's been. And I, I just think, you know, Omar Brown, FCS all American newcomer of the year in 2019, seven interceptions came to Nebraska to give himself an opportunity to play in the Big Ten every day. I mean, there's some really talented guys that we just don't know a lot about at this point. Yeah, and I I saw your list uh, yesterday while I was on the move, and I didn't have I thought it was a pretty good list, but um, one of the things that shows what a probably good portal cycle was for Nebraska was I think you had like Kevin Williams at twelve and Hunter Anthony he, at thirteen. Yeah, yeah. And I have no problem with that for now um, either. When you go through the rest of the list, you're like, well, who else, you know, you're going to put below them. Um, but, it, but yet Kevin Williams could be a factor. We don't know for sure where that's, how that's going to sift out. Like he could be a factor on the interior this season. Um, and the fact that he's where he is, and we're not talking about him a lot of years in the past, like before the portal is what it is today, a guy like him, we'd be, talking about all off season, like he's, you know, as one of the main transfer guys. And that just shows you like how uh, wide a net they really cast this cycle 
at bringing in those guys. And like you said, I think in there, more than half those guys or about half those guys could start. Um, but you're right with Garcia Castaneda. I think he's going to be important. Like we talked earlier about like six or seven receivers that we named off. They really need him to be a wild card that they can play that I think jumps in as like the fourth or fifth guy or so. And then if yeah. that happens, um, then whether you have Marcus Washington or not, I feel like they have a, a lot better numbers if Garcia Castaneda is a hit for them. Absolutely. All right, Brian, any closing thoughts here with today's podcast? No, I don't. That, no that's closing it. thoughts. That's None. It. Nothing no. for the people. No. Just sending I, I, them home. I, uh, I went to the state track meet, and was, I, uh, I didn't interview him, but I talked to Malachi briefly the other day, Malachi Coleman. And, uh, man, that's, there's some studs there though. Um, you know, just watching, uh, him and Jaden Lloyd from central. Yeah. Um, Jaden Lloyd's a really, really interesting kid. Cause I, I think he wants to play college football, but he's also going to have like every great track school in the country wants him involved in some capacity. I mean, he's, he's a terrific runner. He had an incredible triple jump that, might have been wind aided, but just still putting up a five for the first number for the triple jump is incredible. I mean, he's he's a fascinating kind of story. He's going to Omaha West Side for his senior year. Oh, that's interesting. I they announced the other day, like you said, he had a wind aided number with his jump, and they wouldn't give him the state record because they wouldn't give it. I mean, these are rules, but th- there was another kid who was second who did not have the wind at that particular time and owns the record but finished second. I just Right. I don't understand (laughs) the wind. Like, how do you, when do you determine that? And how do you determine that? Yeah. That was bizarre to me. Also, it's Nebraska. There's wind. (laughs) Like, what do you want them to do? Hold it indoors if you don't want it to be winded. I mean, it's always been something with track and field. I understand that. I don't want to act like I I don't know that this has existed for a long time. But I just found it funny. They announced it. And if I'm the guy who's second, who is hearing this, I'm kind of like, we don't have to say that so loud, you know, like I appreciate the record, but you know, this guy won. Um, But I I thought that was funny. Maybe that's a lose the battle, win the war. Like every, you know, every year there's a new state champion, but maybe that guy's going to be the record holder for a long time. I have a feeling Jalen Lloyd is going to go, go take that back whenever he gets the next opportunity, but probably. A name to keep a uh, name to keep in mind. I think he's planning on coming to one of the Friday Night Lights. He's a very very good athlete, a little undersized, and also probably is going to be courted pretty heavily in the track scene. But certainly another in-state kid, and we could you know have spent an entire podcast on this. Just an explosion of in-state yeah. talent um, in 2023 and beyond. So we'll we'll maybe dive into that next time. Uh, I am Mike Shaver. That's Brian Christofferson. Be sure to check out Husker247.com. Plenty of coverage, plenty of things going on. More recruiting file stories coming with Bill Bush. More recruiting stories. You're going to have visit recaps from over the weekend. Plenty of things happening with Nebraska football at Husker247. All right. We'll catch you next week. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.